You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 195 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Valerie. How are you going? I'm feeling 100% better this week. You can, I think you're going to hear it in my voice. Voice is yes. back. It's good. You're a bit you? under the weather last week. I'm, I'm fine, thank you. I actually attempted to do some exercise today after quite a period off. <laughs> uh, now, hang on. You guys uh, on the weekend had like there was a few um, bushfires and things like that. You're having a in really Sydney. hot summer. Yeah, we definitely had some like a like it's meant to be autumn or fall, yeah. but it feels just like summer. So the cold weather has not kicked in at all. It was like thirty degrees on the weekend. Um, that's Celsius. I'm not really sure what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's really hot. Well, we've just gone into winter, like just really? like in a space of a day. It's now freezing, and wow. uh, I am uh, now on the um, dash to get the roof finished and the oh. possums out. So they're now oh. um, currently they, they, they've been sealed in except for one tile. And Trevor, the possum relocator, oh, is coming tomorrow to gently. <laughs> Gently relocate them, and then Graham, the possum house builder, is building two brand new homes, architecturally designed for Where? the possums. Uh, they'll be. I've got two tree stumps uh, uh, in around around my home. Uh, one you, in front of my office here that I can see on your premises. He'll build two. Yes, he'll build two new homes. For the possums, so it's actually illegal to move possums is, away. It's turned into a five thousand dollar fine. Yeah. So, so now it's a housing estate for uh, uh, the possums because. Uh, yeah. So it's that real estate's uh, going to go up. It's going to go up. Uh, do you think that's legal? Do you think I need a permit for that? Probably, if I tell the council. So there'll be two dwellings for possums, and um, yeah, that'll be all. That's all happening in the next couple of days. Very and exciting. He's making them out of tree stumps. No, they're going to go onto tree stumps. I think he's oh. making them out of like some beautiful uh, cedar, like some sort house. of beautiful timber, and and then they're going to have a little landing. That yeah, I asked for a. Will they have, like, barbecues and drink beers in the afternoon? Uh, They're going to have a deck. They don't come out in the day. They only come out at night. Oh, so so they're going to be a party um, house. I see. They They come out at night and uh, they come on the deck where they've got the the water hole where all the Mm. animals gather. Oh, yeah, it's all going on. 
<laughs> oh my god! All right, so this is not um, <laughs> how, how to, to relocate your possum, possum housing. Lots of a new Disney movie. It is, in fact, so you want to be a photographer, and it's for photographers. And we want to give a big shout out to Lise. Now, Lise left us a review on iTunes, and uh, Lise says, "I'm a long distance road." train driver. Wow. So I don't get a lot of time to read and learn about my passion, photography. There is so much to learn and these podcasts by Gina are so easy to understand even for me. I'm a slow learner. The Gold Club is a must join. Uh, is a must join. Well worth money. Well, thank you, Lise. That's awesome, you know, for, that you've taken the time to leave us a review um, and rating on iTunes. We're really, really grateful and so thrilled to hear that you're getting a lot out of the gold community as well. So that's wonderful. Fantastic. Thank you, Lise. And another another truck driver. Looks yes. Like we're very popular. And I guess uh, when you're on the road, long distance, you'd probably be racking up. Remember when you used to r- drive from Sydney to Melbourne, Val, and you'd yep. have like all <laughs> – how many podcasts would you get – uh, in so between mean. the two, yeah. So you would so, you would rack up a lot a lot of learning in that time. So fantastic yes, and, and excited the, to have you in the gold, Lise. Yes, great to have you in the gold community, Lise. But yeah, driving between Sydney and Melbourne, which I used to do a lot, it's ten hours or ten and a half hours when you've got mm. all the pets in the car, like I have. And because <laughs> it's not a very well populated area, as in the uh, the geographic area between Sydney and Melbourne, uh, there isn't always great data reception. So you can't even like download songs or books or whatever until you get quite near the actual cities. So, yes, one time I drove from Sydney to Melbourne with um, no music, (laughs) no books, no nothing except for my friend's podcast so I got to know him really well <laughs> over the course of that because uh, I had like 10 hours of his his voice in my head. Um, and, uh, yeah, the next time I made sure, I, even though I lo- love my friend Dilly, uh, I made sure that I had music and that my Audible account on Kindle had a bunch of books and stuff like that. But I'm thrilled to hear that we accompany you, Lise, on your long-distance road drives. Um, But apart from that, Gina, what else has been happening in your world? So I've been organising a few shoots. I've got a shoot coming up. Um, I'm going to head over to America. I'll sort of, once I get all that sorted, um, I'll uh, talk about it some more because we'll see if we can um, maybe get a workshop happening uh, in New York while I'm there, hopefully. And, uh, and Yeah. And uh, so I've been working on quite a few shoots. Got one coming up with you in a couple of weeks, Val, yep. and then uh, – these last couple of days, I just did a marathon where I've just uh, completed really? seven new tutorials and three hours of critiques for the goal community. So, like, I just did one on how to recreate soft light 
soft window light using flash, uh, how to light a green screen was another one. I did one on how to do a manicure in Photoshop, Val. Very comes in very handy. I wish you could just do them in Photoshop and I didn't have to go and get manicures because it's like (laughs) it's an hour out of my day and it's like, yeah. Me too. And also a really uh, an advanced one on how to remove harsh shadows in a portrait where like you sort of misplaced the light and you get those hard shadows on a portrait so that was uh mm-hmm. like a long extensive uh, tutorial there and and, and a few right. others so uh big week big month for the gold members i'll be getting all of those rolling out over the next few weeks awesome and if you're interested in finding out more about the gold community here's some information Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more as a member you'll also have access to my exclusive facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world so what are you waiting for join the gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of you can check it out at ginamilitia.com All right, so this week's topic is common photo shoot failures and how to recover from them. I love this. This is a great topic because so many times, oh, you know, you think you're doing the right thing, but then for some reason it doesn't happen for you. So let's get stuck into it. Where do we start, Gina? Common photo shoot failures and how to recover from them. Uh, We have to start with a quote, Val. It's been a while now. So, yes, get ready. (laughs) There are no mistakes or failures, only lessons. And that's from Dennis Waitley. And I love that. So, the point of this whole podcast is yes, you will fail. Even the most professional and seasoned photographer is going to botch up a job at some time. It's not a matter Mm. of if, it's when. It will happen. But Mm. like knowing a few things, um, there are certain botch ups or failures that you can recover from. There are things that you can do to maybe save the shoot uh, and save the day and save yourself, save your sanity uh, as well. So we're going to run through those and uh, talk about the different ways that you can fail. So also I just want to say that like I am going to list all these ways and all these things you can do to maybe rescue files or save things when you botched a job technically, but it's um, no substitute for getting it right in camera. And there is like um, sometimes I see a lot of photographers that are very loose 
uh, with their style and there is a lot of that, oh, we'll get that in post, we'll fix it in post. If I hear that word, I'll fix it in post. And even clients yeah. who go, don't worry about it, just fix it in post. Mm. And unless you're the one who sits there and spends the four hours removing the hair across someone's yes. face or like the thing growing out of a head, it's not It's not just a simple swipe and there are great retouch. It, it is hard work. So yeah. I think – you know, for those occasions, yes, things go wrong. There is a lapse of judgment or just something fails. You can, in many cases, rescue that shot. But, you know, really do the work. You know, be prepared. Take your time when you do a shot. Do that once yeah. over that little two seconds that you spend just correcting something, moving a hair, checking the background, mm. double-checking your light, double-checking your settings can save you literally hours in post and if you're doing this every time you shoot this is like months out of your life that you could be doing much more exciting things all right yes, so it's shall a we dive false in? economy it's definitely a false economy when you think that you know i'll just move the shoot along so that you can fix it in post it ends up being double if not more if not much longer yeah definitely yes let's keep you diving in yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and also a, 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 an image that is perfectly exposed and shot and you get it looking amazing in camera, you can take that to, you know, so many um, places when you've got something great to start with. But when you've got something that's already not fantastic, you can only take it to a certain level and it's always going to look yeah. sort of less than. So, yeah, yeah let's um, let's get into it. So, Let's talk about some of the most common ways that you can make a mistake on a shoot, Val. So, all right, okay. so you can you can botch the job technically, right? Right. Or so you mean just have like all the wrong settings or something? Exactly. Okay. Or which is probably the most common way, yeah. and then the second most common way is uh, <laughs> stupidity, where you just do right. something silly, where you know you you botch the job. The third. Like when you spray WD-40 into your (laughs) camera body instead of air in the can. We've got good WD-40 stories too in the the podcast group this week, so I'm glad that resonated with everyone. It's not Australian either, by the way. Um, It's not what? It's an American product. It's not an Australian product, WD-40. Correct. Yes, that's right. Uh, So mechanical error which people would believe and I actually thought was uh, quite high on the list uh, percentage wise for botching up a, a job it's not two percent of errors are caused by mechanical fault the camera right. actually doing something wrong so most faults 98 <laughs> percent it means are you know human error of some kind yeah, so yeah. mechanical error is very low but like even two percent eventually something may uh, break on you and if you're unlucky more than once so and then finally there's outside forces out of your control whether that's uh, extreme weather that causes it or uh, the person that you're doing the shoot for doesn't like the shot for whatever reasons. So mm-hmm. let's have a look and break it down and see how what we can do when we make some some of these errors and how we can save the day. All right. So let's start with All the right. first one, which is where you botch the job technically. So you've got Does the wrong botch, settings is or botch something. A universal word, Val. Is that a universal word? Botch. I think so because in America they've got that reality show oh, called Botch. Yes. Have you watched it? I 
love that show. <laughs> Is that that plastic surgery one? Yeah. Where they come in and they fix the botched um, That's right. jobs and face jobs. And, yeah, I love yeah. that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, good. Universal word is probably where I well, got we it don't from. Know, <laughs> we don't know where what the equivalent word is in, for example, Sweden or, you know, um, other parts of the world. But uh, um, but I'm sure people get them what we're talking about, Gina. All right. So I think one of the most common ways that you can botch a job technically is uh, focus. So it's it's missing the point of focus. And sometimes it's just that you uh, miss the point of focus. And instead of getting the eyeball, if you're shooting wide open, you might get the eyelashes instead, or you might yeah. get the focus on the ear, or if it's really bad focus and you focus on the wall behind the person rather than the mm. person. So there are some things you can do to fix that, including including Photoshop has some really excellent ways of sharpening uh, images. And so you can uh, go in there and actually sharpen the pixels and make the image look like it was, you know, properly sharpened. And if you're just, if your image is just out or you've got a lens that isn't quite as sharp as some of the other lenses, depending on the quality of your lens is going to give you different levels of sharpness, then Photoshop or even Lightroom is going to, you know, allow you to make your image appear sharper. So you can save that. If you've done uh, a really... (laughs) good job at misfocusing your image. There's things you can do. And I've done this in the past where I missed the focus on the eye on one shot, but then the next frame I got the focus, but the frame that I wanted is obviously the one where I've just missed the eye. So I've done face swaps as well, Val, where I've just swapped the eyes around with the sharp eyes onto the face that I want. And so that often works. And sometimes when you've got a group shot, Whether that happens where you might have some groups and you've just missed the focus on someone, but you look along to the next frame and you've got the, the, that face is in focus. Then I'll, I'll do a face swap. Very easy to do. And, Mm. uh, it, you know, worth considering if you want to, you know, save that, that big group shot as well. So also reducing, uh, increasing the contrast on an image is going to make it appear sharper than it is. And right. the final way that if you botch the focus, sometimes uh, making the whole thing out of focus, like every area other than the area that you've misfocused. So say if your face <laughs> is just out of focus and the background's really sharp, make yeah. the background out of focus and then your pa- your face the face that you wanted sharp is going to appear sharper by comparison. I've also done that in the past. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I would never have thought of that, but that kind of makes sense. Yeah. You can the Exactly. So there are a few ways that you can maybe um, get back from, you know, if you've missed the focus. The next way that uh, often photographers might botch a a job is with lighting. So I think the biggest issue I see is either overlighting something or Mm. underlighting. Now, if you've overlit something and you've shot in raw format, then you can always bring that back. You can dial back the exposure and you should be able to rescue the shot with a bit of uh, manipulation. So well worth 
it's well worth shooting in raw all the time because you get like so much more latitude in your file and you've got the mm. ability to really rescue a lot of it. I've, I've shot images where I've, it's been a quick reaction and I've been uh, set for something I might have been shooting inside and then I've looked outside. It's like, oh, my God, I've got to get that and I haven't had to, to – quite shut down in time the aperture mm. or the shutter speed and it's three stops over i bring it back into right. photoshop or lightroom and i can rescue that shot so um if you're shooting in raw there's a lot you can do when you're underlining as well like as a practice if you always set up your shots if you're using fill flash Mm-hmm. For your lighting, I always shoot as if I'm just going to be using daylight. That's my first step. So that'll be my first – that's how I expose my image. And then the flash right. and with, I, is just a dook of light to lift the face is uh, secondary. So if by chance my flash misfires and I don't get that flash, I will still get a usable image and I can uh, just mm. you know dial up the shadows and I still get something and ah. often – but some, sometimes I've gone to light an image and the flash has misfired mm-hmm. and I actually like the image more without the flash than with. So yeah. um, you kind of get two different kinds of shots. So shoot as if you weren't going to light it. Don't be, rely on the lighting. The lighting is um, sort of the icing on the cake, but you've already got the exposure correct and then you won't ever have a problem with overlighting. Uh, a lot so harder with, when is- you use so would you say yep. that if you had a if you were in the middle and you had to veer in one direction you would veer towards overlighting rather than underlighting um You've got to be careful with overlighting because with um, with digital, if mm-hmm. you don't get detail in your highlights, you can never rescue it. It's gone forever. So you want to sort right. of like not overlight by too much. There is a little no. bit of uh, space to play. You're better off underexposing an image and bringing it back. So it's somewhere in between okay. and you want to try and be – uh, two stops either way. If you start going further than that, it's very mm. hard to rescue. If you're two, two, uh, more than two or three stops under, when you try and rescue that by bringing up your high, uh, your shadows, you're going to increase the noise. And the other way, if you're more than a couple of stops, two, two to three stops overexposed, it's very hard to get any detail in those highlights and you're going to get those uh, sort of grey, ugly grey skies. And so it's it's always good to sort of – stay somewhere in the middle right okay cool what's next so with your uh the the final thing is really when you're positioning your light always think about how am I going to position my light to save myself time and it's like another one of the tutorials I did this week for the gold members Mm -hmm. Val was uh talking about lighting position to actually uh Get the shot as looking as good as you can in camera so that if you light in a certain way that you can save yourself hours of uh, retouching. If you're doing a very close shot of someone, beauty lighting, uh, Mm. lighting from the side actually enhances all the flaws a lot more than, say, lighting from the top and more flat on. So the way you light the shot, taking that extra time to really have a good close look at what your lighting is doing is going to save you ages. So having said that, it can still be rescued in post and you can Mm -hmm. still using layers, layers, 
layer masks. Uh, you can edit and retouch your image in Photoshop. But I think after you've done this a few times and spent a few hours on an image getting it looking right, you probably want to not do that and get it right in camera and save yourself that time and then you can take it to a whole new direction so always cool. think about where is my light position take that extra time okay yes. so and we talked about face swap learn about face swap because <laughs> that's it <laughs> when you're shooting a group shot if you shoot to tripod and if you've got more than three people in a shot shoot to tripod and do 10 frames and and really command the shot and get them to look at you. That way, if someone blinks or someone pulls a face, then you can easily take the face from uh, a previous frame where they were smiling and put it into the, into the frame where they're not or they've blinked. So that's a, a very popular technique with a lot of portrait photographers. Okay, yeah, right, I so, love it. Next, next reason why you might uh, have a failure is uh, stupidity. <laughs> so stupidity? You mean a- like falling, like accidents. dropping your camera? Or what do you mean? Well, um, accidentally delete a memory card. Oh, right. yeah. You know, and so maybe lapses of judgment is a kinder way to say it or you, mm. you forget or you don't realise. But, like, I've done this. I've deleted a memory card. I've had an assistant uh, delete an entire job that he thought had been backed up and it wasn't. So, you know, or you miss the focus because you're you not again? Paying he, he, poor guy, I gave him that it was like, you know what? Here's a life lesson. If something happens, yeah. you have got to take I, I took fifty percent of the responsibility because I'm yeah. I'm in charge, right? Yeah, yeah. And he 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 had asked me a question that I had interpreted one way and he it was a miscommunication right and I didn't check and he didn't check and we we lost we wiped mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually feel sick thinking about it we wiped an entire job it was like 50 gig or something mm-hmm. off the hard drive and it hadn't been backed up the client was still there in the room mm-hmm. and uh, we bluffed for the rest of the day mm-hmm. and eventually I crumbled and told the client what happened it was oh awful well oh my god yeah okay we got the files back and I'll explain that um, if we get time down there right. and how to ref at a drive to get your files back when you do something as stupid <laughs> as that. So, um, you know, skill level or lack of experience can cause you to make uh, critical errors. And the thing is that you don't know what you don't know. Do you know what I mean? So as mm. you're learning, there's stuff that you need to know, but you don't know about it because you haven't had that experience or no one's taught you. And as you get it, you realize because you make the mistake and someone points it out. I remember when I did my first corporate shoot, I think, and I did this handshake shot and I was so proud of it and I showed it to another photographer who was doing corporate stuff at the same time and he looked at it and he was like the hands are like different colors to the guy's faces so they made up the face but they make up the hands which is such a <laughs> right you know and I was so caught up with like oh how good am I look at this handshake shot it's so amazing I'm the best photographer in the world and then when he pointed this out for me I just went oh what a dumb yeah. mistake you know <laughs> but you Again, you don't know what you don't know. So um, the best way to overcome these little errors is 
to just keep working and experience mm. and again showing your work and getting feedback from people who know is going to be important otherwise you're never going to know what you're never going to know so if that hadn't have been mm. pointed out I would have continued thinking that my corporate shot handshake shot was the best in the world when in in fact there was all these um errors in it I guess like writing Val when people are writing and they think that they're that what they're writing makes sense because it makes sense yeah. to you when you write yeah. something down you go this makes perfect sense it's not yeah. until you um get someone to read it for you when they go I don't understand what this means yeah which is what I get from you for when, when I send you emails late at <laughs> night I just get a I don't understand what you just said there and I've got to stop emailing you late at night, don't I, Val? It's not a good idea. It's entertaining. <laughs> just, it's just like it is entertaining. It's just like a standard reply from you. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it comes back two seconds later. I don't understand what you just said. <laughs> I need to stop emailing at night, though. It's not It's not. It's not, it's not good. But so, also, um, whether it's writing or photography or art or whatever, it's I really believe it's about volume. You learn when you do a huge volume of that particular creative process. But if you only do it once a, once a month when you have your, you know, photo walk or whatever, that's fine. But if you can sneak in, in at lunch times and, and during the week as well, it's the volume and frequency of actually doing things where it, that's where you're going to learn stuff. Exactly. It's doing the work, do the work, get that muscle going and, you know, morning, lunchtime, whatever, it makes a huge difference. And I've seen yeah. some some people out there that are doing doing exactly that and they're, they're, they're working all the time mm. and you sure do see it in their work. Like it just like takes off. It's amazing. All right, so Val, the, the the third kind of error is the mechanical error that we said and uh, Wayne last week uh, from the camera clinic was saying that realistically cameras um, really 2% um, error rate, 2%, mm, very, yeah. very low. So, so we can't really blame. <laughs> we want to mechanical error on, oh, yeah, the camera broke as I was shooting. It doesn't. It rarely happens. They're, they're not made to break that often. So they might wear out, but that's different to mechanical error. So uh, I've, I've experienced a few mechanical errors, and I think they've all been from having maybe older models of cameras that were due to break or certain flashes that it was their time, and unfortunately they chose to go to Elvis when I'm <laughs> in the middle of the shoot. So um, not fun and very stressful. Mm-hmm. What can you do to avoid this happening, Val, <laughs> yes. so that you're not there going, the shutter doesn't work or the, the this lens broke and I'm have a, second a day away from my home and I don't have, yes. So it's really important to, if you're going on shoots and they're important shoots to, like I think you you think in this way a lot. You Whenever we're doing anything, you're 15 steps ahead and you've got contingencies in place just in case okay, so I've got an earthquake plan. Val, there's not going to be an earthquake when we're, when we're doing this workshop. She's like, well, I've got a plan just in case. And then I also have a fire plan and there's a, and you know, there's a cupboard full of food in case like we get locked into the, you, you are, and I'm just like, ah, 
the glass is half full. <laughs> so I think you kind of need to be in the in the middle somewhere, it's and you want to make that sure that I you've... think that the glass is half empty. It's that I practice good risk management, Gina. That's what it's called, risk management, and I yes. am risk ignoring. Is there a word for that? There is there a better way of like I have my head firmly in the sand. Not gonna happen. Not listening. But regular maintenance and care of gear really will help ensure that you're not one of the yes. unlucky ones that um you know. And you want to uh, be at best prepared just in case. And I think you do go around thinking, yeah, this is lovely. One camera is enough. One lens is enough to shoot a wedding until that camera, something happens, it seizes up yep. or the lens stops working and you're standing there at a wedding with no camera and it's it's awful or you can't, you, you fail the job. So I, because of every single failure that's happened to me over the 30 years I've been shooting, have pretty much doubled up on everything. I've got spare yep. everything because I never want to have that experience again. No. So, um, you know, you, and, and it's, it's not fun. So little, little, little checklist, always check your gear, check your batteries, check, 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 double check. And then when you get to the place, make sure everything's working so that you, um, know that you're not going to have the dreaded, 2% to be in that 2% of yes. mechanics. and practice yeah. good risk management. Like last <laughs> yes. week when I had my shoot, I we only need one teleprompter, but I brought three just in case of the one didn't would. work. Who would do that? And what happened? Three yes, the, teleprompters. Why have you got the, three teleprompters? What are you doing with them? You, you just use them. Um uh, but, of course, the one teleprompter worked, which is great, but it probably wouldn't have worked if I didn't bring the other two, right? Of course. That's right. Yeah, if you didn't have the other two, it would have broken. That's that's mm-hmm. uh, Murphy's Law, I think. Uh, all right. So um, what are some other ways to avoid the disaster? So we know, we've already said user error, do the work, build your photography muscle. So gear failure, you want to make sure that you're checking and double checking and regularly doing the, um, um, taking your camera in and having it serviced on a regular Mm. basis. Uh, they'll, they'll also be able to pre-check if, Oh, look, your shutters probably got another, you know, 10,000 clicks after that. You want to look at um, having it replaced. So little things like that. The, the so in terms of know. servicing, how often should you service a camera? Is it um, <laughs> like a car where it's, you know, the the number of kilometres or the number of clicks? What, yeah, so how, how often should you service it? That was the questions it? I wanted to ask Wayne last week and we – got so in-depth involved in all the other questions that I didn't get around. So it's something that I will ask him. I'm not sure. I think, you know, if you're out there and you're shooting um, well, how often thousands do you and thousands yours? of photos, uh, once a year. Mm-hmm. Once a year that's okay. is what I do. And uh, clean up in a service and just make sure that everything's doing what it needs to do. And, and that they works spray for air me. in the can into it. They don't spray WD forty, but yeah, they have a spray around and make sure it's uh, and it's all clean. And then I don't have to do mm. as much dust spotting when I'm retouching the images. Mm, so yes, um, yeah. All right. So 
Back on to gear failure. This one is probably, uh, I think, one that one of the most common ways that gear will fail with uh, photographers and probably the one that causes the most heartache and that's uh, memory card, losing your memory oh, card, memory card yeah. failing. Okay. Yeah. So here's this tiny little thing that we often abuse and don't realize that this holds, this has got all the images in it. And so and I think there, how many it's times have, have, I, have I seen memory cards just drop on the ground because the photographers put it in their pocket or whatever and it's fallen yep. out? How many times? Practically every shoot, I'm picking yeah, up and memory I, cards off the ground. Yeah, I used to. I used to keep uh, memory cards in my pocket. I used to until one day I lost a memory card. I had a hole in my pocket and I lost the memory card and I lost half the shoot and I was there on my hands and knees looking around in the dark for this memory card and then I never, ever found. It was devastating. No. Just, so where do you put your oh memory cards so, now? So now I have a special, I've got a whole protocol and I think uh, the episode workflow just got sexy. If anyone wants to listen to that, a whole protocol Mm -hmm. that deals with memory cards and hard drives and dealing with files after a shoot to make sure that I don't lose them. And it's, uh, you know, the backup, everything that I do until I get back to my office and then back up again. So I think it's worth, if you're interested and you should be um, in, risk management as Valerie calls it very sexy name um, then you want to check that out but just quickly when it comes to uh, memory card safety you want to make sure that you buy brand names and like Mm. don't buy no name when it comes to memory uh, brand and uh, it's not NQR try not to touch the contacts especially on the little um, the the smaller memory cards the SDs don't touch the contacts because that's (laughs) going to affect how they work always turn the camera off off before you're putting the card in and mm. I always Val to spread my shoot over several memory cards so you can get one sure. terabyte card you can get 64 gig 120 you can't unless you're filming Mm. which you want to have the big cards for, uh, I think it's a good idea to try and spread the load over a day, over several cards, and then if one fails, you're not going to lose the whole shoot. And I think it's important that you don't keep them forever. So they don't last forever. Throw them out every two or three years. They're not that expensive. And a really good tip is to put a label, get one little label, one of those little label makers or if you're neat with uh, writing and just write your name and uh, email or phone Mm. number onto the card. So in case it is lost, someone may return it for you. And while I'm there, just label everything that you own. That's I've got, I just went and got some cheap stickers with my website and my phone number and my name. And I've just, all my, all my bits of gear, all my bags, everything has got a sticker with my name on it. So yep. um, there's there's heaps of that. So, um, And even if you don't want to be bothered actually printing stickers, you can just print things on your on your printer with, with white sticky labels, which is what I do, and then I label everything, yeah. literally everything. <clears throat> so I've got cool. some more, Val, and I think we'll just leave these in the show. How are we going for time? I think we're um, – we have time for We're running more. out. We, uh, okay. So what do I want to do? Um, we'll just go with. Well, I'll, I'll pick. Um, yep. So some common 
we're talking about common photo shoot failures and one thing that can happen is when you're dealing with a client and your client deems it to be a failure right yeah so nothing that you may have done nothing stupid you may have no mechanical error you may have no maybe technically fine and all of that but for some reason the client is not happy that is also a failure right or a lesson or whatever what happens then so I think uh, it's important before you allow yourself to get yourself into that position that you pre-interview clients and wet, vet out potential problems. So there are some clients that you just can't please and they're, they're, they have a history of this sort of behaviour. So you want to be looking for clues in the initial conversation that they may, mm. that may indicate that they're difficult. Uh, so indecisiveness, victim mentality, Every other photographer botched the job. Who's the common mm. denominator? They are. All right. So yes. when you hear that, step away, run. Don't work with that kind of person. They That's might be right. overly self-conscious. Generally, they've got an NQR manner about them uh, or they're just, just to the be not clear the right to people, maybe you should explain NQR. Oh, really? Because you said not it a couple right. of times now. Right. Okay, yes. NQR, not quite right sorry for anyone yeah (laughs) sorry I just forget that uh, I have my own little language yes Uh, yes. so I think um, that's important you want to make sure that you've got everything in writing that you do have a contract and you've explained what you they they've explained exactly what they want to do and you reiterate that so what I'm doing is a b and c and this is what Mm. I'm going to supply you so um if that's the case, then uh, like it, it's very hard. Often it's about them and it's not about you and you've just got to deal with it. But if you've got everything in writing that, you know, you have supplied exactly what they asked for, then you've done you've done your job as a photographer. And on that point, so a contract doesn't necessarily have to be something really complex and legal or anything like that. No. As long as you've got something in writing that you've both agreed on, I think is yes. is what's important. But I think also what can be what's vital to have in writing and not in writing in a scribbled form but in some kind of perhaps email exchange is a potential shot list and that you both agree on a shot list. Of course, you can deviate a tiny bit or you can shoot extra if you want, but as long as you're fulfilling the agreed shot list, then I think that that is um, something where you set expectations on both sides and you're both very clear that this is the minimum at least of what what needs to be achieved achieved and that takes away any confusion or misinterpretation if somebody says oh but you know I didn't think we needed to shoot that or whatever so I strongly I'm a big fan of the shot list and I strongly recommend that that you create one um you know, and you talk to your client beforehand to to create one because, I, as you say, some photographers are very loose. Now, you might not be able to have a shot list so much, say, at an event where you don't know what's happening at an event. Yeah. But if it's not an event, then you should have a, a, an agreement um, and a discussion with the client on all the kind of shots that want to be that you want to, they they want to achieve and have that shot list. I think that's vital. 
Yeah, and, you know, in writing, so rather than having, like you can often have lots of conversations with a client, feel like you're on the same page, and then, but if you haven't got that all in writing, it can be if problematic down the track if, if something yeah. does go wrong. So you just want to make sure that you go, okay, let's have this exchange via email instead, which is more of a hassle. I'd rather talk to people on the phone, but if it's in writing, it's there, it's there forever. And then you, yep. you can both refer to that and you make sure that everyone's on the same page. And I love photo references as well. I think that's a good way yes. to, for the client to say, because it's hard, like you could, you could say to me, uh, Gina, I want a, a blue room with uh, white curtains you to photograph yeah. that now how i see a blue room i could be seeing i'll be seeing a dark slate blue with um you know a certain style of curtain and you could be thinking of macrame curtains <laughs> with like duck egg blue walls with like a, a stipple in them okay but we've just both described the exact same thing so i think it's yeah it's important that you ask the client to give you photo references of look and feel. So then you're all, yes. and, and, that, and that's included. So they describe it and then they show you as well. And then it's like, I think it eliminates a lot of confusion. Great. Yep. Great advice. All right. What else have we got here? So I think uh, I think we've run out of time, Val. Should we let it yep. go? Or I've got cool. some uh, a couple of tips. You know, look at the end. It's tough when you uh, fail at something, and it's hard. And uh, but what you do, I think, is give yourself a day, feel it, have a cry, <laughs> mope around, watch bad TV, eat bad food, uh, talk about it, but don't dwell on it because I know that the the biggest failures I've had as a photographer have also been my greatest teachers. And it's generally mm. that, that that's the case. I have learned from those and those mistakes and I'm actually happy I made them because you'll never make them again. It just feels awful at the time. Um, and so, you know, whenever you step outside your comfort zone, try something new, you, you probably will fail and that's okay. It's a, it's a fantastic teacher. So I think embrace it and uh, learn to, to go with it and you'll find that uh, I think you'll you'll grow as a photographer much faster than if you stayed small and never took these risks and never, you know, put yourself out there and risk failure. Awesome. All right, so that brings us to the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Gina? All right, so we've got uh, the possum homes being built on quite a <laughs> <laughs> that that's the uh, the exciting four millennials in the house too. It gets four millennial oh count at the moment, and uh, I've got uh, a, a couple of shoots on this week. Uh, it's it's busy, Val. Oh you what are you God. doing? Well, believe it or not, it revolves around WD forty again. What <laughs> I know, it's so weird. Why are they sponsoring this is, the show? Why can't not they be sponsoring the sponsor? show? I wish yeah. they were. That'd be don't you think? Come on. Does anyone know someone WD-40? <laughs> because I mentioned last week that I'm using it in my paintings. I mix it with the paint, yes. right, because of the effects that it can create. And so it's water-based, spent- isn't it, Val? I think it's uh, – is it Peter Foote who gave us all that information on W? I think it's a water-based substance. That's why – are you working it with acrylics? Quite- yeah, I thought it was oily. 
Anyway, it's well, if like silicon. With acrylics, it right. Anyway, and do you use so, it to thicken up your paint? No, no, no. I use it. I mix it with a paint to create certain effects, right? And so uh-huh. I, I, I've done. I spent the whole weekend doing this, okay, and created this um, painting which has these really cool effects. And the thing is, though, because I layer it on really thick, as in the paint. Well, the paint mixed with the WD forty silicon. Yeah. Uh, you have to wait quite a while for the paint to cure. And like it doesn't just, it's not just one thin layer. It's quite, it's very thick. And you wait days, if not longer, uh, for the paint to cure. And during that time, the WD 40 kind of, kind of emerges, rises to the top in a sense. And so Uh the surface of the canvas can can be a bit oily. And so before I can varnish it, or put any kind of, you know, um, coating on it, I need to get rid of the silicon that's kind of emerged from the paint and risen to the top. And so there are a number of ways to do that, and I'm going to be experimenting with all of them. Um, And one way involves covering it with talcum powder and letting the talcum powder or flour, <laughs> covering it, or, or, or flour, you know, is in the stuff you put in cakes. Yeah. Um, soak it up, and then you yeah. brush it off and wipe it off and stuff. But um, apparently, that soaks up all of that oily stuff, and then only then is it safe for you to varnish it. Or if, because if you don't, if you don't soak it up and you varnish it. It kind of gives the canvas these pock marks because it reacts with the varnish. I think there's something wrong with talc and you shouldn't use it. I just remember reading about that. So I think you should go with flour. Okay. Yes, I can use flour. Instead there's of talc. Lots of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There That's go. interesting, Val. <laughs> and then you – and that, no, it is. I didn't mean to sound sarcastic then. I apologise. It, it's actually really interesting. Uh, and then do you just get a hairdryer and like, or a wind thing and blow well, it all you have off? To, well, flour? you blow it all off, but then you, you know, you kind of have to wipe it with a damp chucks or it's something. It's messy. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be messy. But the whole painting yeah. process is even messier. So you do wipe it off and then make sure it's all dry and clean and stuff like that and then you can varnish it and then you can put your UV-resistant coating on it and stuff like that. Uh, And the heat doesn't make it dry any quicker? Well, the thing is because it was so hot on the weekend in Sydney, the painting process, the paint dried so quickly compared to what I'm used to that I had to rush around like a madwoman to – to do it in a hurry before the paint was drying, you know, not that it dried completely, but it was, you know, getting to a a sort of um, a less liquid state. Um, So, yeah, it's not ideal actually to do it when it's too hot. So where's my painting? When's when's mine coming? Just waiting because I've got like a little space next to my friend. 
I'm waiting Kate for you Walsh to ask me. Kate just entered the Archibald, so I've got a little spot. I'll put my little Valerie Coo next to my Kate Walsh, <laughs> I think would be a good spot. What do you think? Kate Walsh. Well, here's the thing, Gina, I've already thought of this, is that I wanted to paint you for the Archibald. You're going to paint me. Now, I've already been asked. It doesn't, I don't, I do behind the camera, Valerie, only. Yeah. Do you want me to photograph you for the Archibald then? You can't put photographs in the Archibald. I can paint. I can do crayons. Okay, well, we can paint each other. No, it's not happening. (laughs) Veto that right now. Why? Okay, podcast no. listeners, the Archibald is an extremely Don't. famous <laughs> painting prize in Australia. It's the most famous. It's huge. Uh, let us know with some comments. <laughs> let us know through the um, through the Facebook group. And if you're a new listener, make sure you join the listener community uh, on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community. Let us know if you want me to paint Gina for the Archibald Prize. Um, Maybe she'll succumb to the support that you're going to give her. Mm. Let us know, everyone. Love to hear from you. I hate disappointing (laughs) people. Sorry, in in advance. (laughs) What are you afraid of? Should we go of? now? We've banged what on about af- painting no, 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 for the no. last. What are you afraid of? What Is this afraid a of? psychology session no, now? No, because I've 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 already worked out how to I've already worked out how to paint you where but you don't abstract. need. Yeah, well, of yeah, do I've already worked it out? I already know how to, the composition and everything. It's amazing. Really? Yeah, <laughs> if I say so myself. Stand <laughs> oh, more like you, an artist every day, Val. <laughs> even cool. you are likely to say yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so don't we have to go now, Val? Okay, sorry, listeners. But you know, this podcast is a chance for us to catch up too. We're, I'm sorry. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Where do we find you online, Gina? Find me at ginamilitia.com. Uh, that's the best place to connect. And I'm on at Gina Militia uh, across all social media. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And if you want to work with me one-on-one uh, and maybe you want to take your photography to the next level, then join me at the Goal Community. So that's at ginamilitia.com slash goal community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O. Well, it's actually Valerie and then K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram. And WD-40. <laughs> too much WD-40. And if you look at my Instagram, you'll see some of the paintings with WD-40 in them. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. You'll find the show notes also at ginamilitia.com. Uh, we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.